Beautiful humans, welcome to Become Unlimited with Jonathan Perez, where together we explore what it really means to live an unlimited life. In this episode, I have the privilege and the honor to share a conversation with you with none other than Dr. Shamini Jan. Dr. Shamini Jan is a scientist, psychologist, a transformational teacher, and the founder and CEO of the nonprofit Consciousness and Healing Initiative, also known as CHI which is a collaborative accelerator of scientists, healers, artists, and educators to help lead humanity to heal themselves. She received her BA, bachelor's degree in neuroscience and behavior from Columbia University and her PhD from the UCSD-SDSU joint doctoral program in clinical psychology with a research focus in psychoneuroimmunology. Dr. Jan integrates her background in clinical psychology, psychoneuroimmunology, East Indian spiritual practice and vocal art to share with others how they can best heal themselves and live joyful, meaningful lives. So based on that intro, I trust that you can see why I was so excited (laughs) to have Dr. Shamani Jan here on the show. And I met and was introduced to Dr. Shamani's work back, yeah, a little over a year ago at an event with Bruce Lipton and her presentation and the way she was explaining very complex topics and making sense of it, connecting the spirituality side with the science aspect of it all. It was really beautiful what she did and that's actually what I love about her work and why I felt called to bring her on because of the way that she's able to bridge science and spirituality in a simple to understand way. So in the conversation we explore Of course, a little bit about her personal journey and what got her into all of the work and the research that she has done. She shares with us some ways to think about all of the information that's out there and how to make sense of it, how to come to a place of empowerment and really connect to our own intuition and our own truth. We also have Dr. Shamani share about the healing keys, which are included in her book, Healing Ourselves, which I definitely recommend you check out. I will make sure to have a link in the show notes, and she walks us through some things we can begin to think about and implement immediately to see positive effects in our lives. So we're going to dive right in. I trust that you will gain a lot of value from the conversation. If you have any questions or reflections or comments, please do reach out. Enjoy the conversation with Dr. Shamini Jan. All right, Shamini. Good to see you. Great to see you too, Jonathan. It's been a little while since we've seen each other last. Yeah, a little over a year now. Things have changed a little bit. So yeah, in between that year, I've gotten a chance to, to dive a little bit deeper uh, into your work and hence my excitement to to have you here with us. I've gained a lot of benefits from just diving into your research and what you're doing in the world. And I've been excited to get more of your wisdom onto audio form or video form and bring it to the world and through another medium uh, through this podcast as well. So yeah, great to have you. And I would have done a, a brief intro of your bio, you know, the more formal style, but I want to give you an opportunity to share with the listeners. How would you describe what you do? Oh, it's such a beautiful question. <laughs> I would say at the core, you know, of my being is really a deep desire to bring together community to uplevel our knowledge and practice of healing. And that's really behind pretty much everything that I do. So 
most of my friends would call me kind of a collaborative magic bringer because that's a lot of the work that I do with my nonprofit, the Consciousness and Healing Initiative. We bring together mm-hmm. scientists and healing practitioners, educators, artists to lead humanity to heal ourselves. And, and that's really what lights me up, you know, so I would say that's a, that's a big part of what I do. And then like everyone, you know, kind of on the human journey, striving towards spiritual, you know, liberation, you could say in a way that's kind of loftier, we could say spiritual evolution, understanding all of the beauty of what it is to be human, how we can express that beauty and help heal ourselves and others. So those are the things that kind of get me going in the morning. <laughs> Besides yeah. my morning cup of chai, which also gets me going in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have a lot in common. It's funny you mentioned chai because I just got a great recipe for chai. I was in uh, Crestone, Colorado, and they have this uh, location called an ashram, and they had the most amazing chai there. So I'm, I'm, I'm hopping on your train. <laughs> oh, yeah. Ashram chai is, is often very, very good. Authentic. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Well, beautiful. Thank you for, for sharing that. And yeah, just based on everything you said, I can totally see why you're you're here with me because totally have so much in common with what I desire to, to do and, and the information I hope to share as well. So yeah, a lot of exciting things happening. And I know that you have been obviously through your own personal journey, as well as done so much research, right? And you have your book that you recently released, which is a beautiful consolidation, it feels like, of your own journey and of your own uh, research as well. So I'm curious if you can share a little bit of of your own personal journey leading into where you are today and how that connects to all the science that you've been involved in and the research. Sure. So, you know, I was born of East Indian Jan tradition descent. My parents moved to South Carolina. They've been here for about 60 years. They were the first Indians to move to this town. And I was born and raised in South Carolina in, you know, an East Indian Jan family. So really early on, I was exposed to different spiritual concepts that we weren't learning in school. And all my friends were Baptist Christian. So that made for some really interesting conversations, right? I would actually go to church with them and they would come home and ask us about like, why were we vegetarian? You know, why is Jainism, why, why do we have such an emphasis on nonviolence or ahimsa? So there were some really beautiful conversations that we were having at the outset about, you know, how we understood the world, you know, nature of faith and all these things. But what I realized as I continued to go through school was, We didn't talk about spirituality, and I found myself really interested in science. So even when I was reading these books about spirituality, you know, these monks are basically writing these books. I wasn't going right to the source text. These are monks, you know, usually Mm -hmm. male monks, um, interpreting the text. And so they would say things like, when you do this yoga practice, you are balancing the sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous systems. And they would go into all this detail, and I would say, how do they know that? Like, prove it, right? So, the, you know, the Western mind was like, prove it. How do we know that's true? Like, how do we know they're not blowing smoke? Subtle bodies? Like, one of the <laughs> – I write this in the book, as you know, Jonathan. One of the titles of the books on my dad's bookshelf, he's a chemist, and he always told me everything is explainable through chemistry and physics. But he had this, you know, totally unshaken belief of the nature of the soul as well. So I'm sitting here, you know, on one side are my mom's Cosmo magazines, on the other side are my dad's books saying things like Easy Journey to Other Planets. So, you know, it was was quite a like, wow, okay, there's a lot going on here. How do we know that all this stuff about the subtle bodies and energy and the soul and consciousness is real? And if it is real, what does it mean for us? 
So when I went to Columbia University for my undergraduate work, that was in the 90s. And at that time, they were telling us that the brain didn't change after age seven, that there was no plasticity in the brain mm -hmm. after age seven. And even as an undergraduate, having the experiences I had and having the, you know, kind of background from the East Indian traditions, I really wondered about that. I said, how, how do they know that beyond the shadow of a doubt? So I started digging and I was like, you know what, there's only a handful of studies that have even looked at this. And lo, look, mm -hmm. lo and behold, we know that that is not true. So I think all of us have been witnessing the evolution of science. And, you know, I share, as you know, more of my deeper story in the book. And so to sort of just cut to the chase, as I began exploring through the Western scientific model and realized that at that time, especially, we couldn't talk about consciousness, we couldn't talk about healing. As a singer, I was deeply interested in the nature of sound and music and its effects on healing. And I found the field of psychoneuroimmunology. Now, psychoneuroimmunology is a very fancy term for a very simple thing. And it's really studying the connection between the mind, body, and spirit. And it turned out, I found out there were PhD programs in this. Um, so I started applying to those PhD programs after undergraduate, after you know doing some work in neuroscience and things. And um, I was fortunate enough to get admitted into several schools. And when I chose the University of California, San Diego, um, it's a joint doctoral program between them and San Diego State for the doctoral work, I called my soon-to-be mentor and now dear friend, Dr. Paul Mills. And I said, mm. Paul, I know this is a very rigorous, you know, top program in the United States that's kind of in the box. But I want to do my research in energy healing, and I want to do it well. You know, because I really think there's something to this nature of vibration. I've experienced it for myself. And I think, Jonathan, for me, it was also a yearning of wanting to bring these worlds together. And, you know, mm -hmm. I think many people have this yearning, right? So for me, I wanted to do it through science initially. And so I asked Paul, do you think you would support me to do a randomized controlled trial on energy healing as a graduate student? It was not a common thing. First of all, in our programs, most people don't do their own randomized controlled trials because it takes a lot of time. And you have to get funding and, you know, they, it's sort of more of a factory sometimes where they just want to get you in, teach you how to do research, grab a data set from your mentor, do your dissertation on that and get out the door, go find a faculty position, right? That's generally how it works. But Paul was a really great mentor. And, you know, I share more about him in my book as well. He supported me to do that. So I was able to get some national institutes of funding as a pre-doctoral fellow and some other funding from a foundation to conduct this study on hands-on healing for fatigue breast cancer survivors, which I published in the journal Cancer, which is widely read by oncologists. So really, Jonathan, through that journey, I began to meet other scientists who were really deeply interested in the role of consciousness in healing, but didn't have community didn't really feel like they could talk to their colleagues about it, had a really hard time getting funding to support for it, even though they were getting millions of grants, millions of dollars of grants from the NIH for more mainstream work in neuroscience, psychoneuroimmunology. If they wanted to study healing, it was very difficult to get support just morally, you know, collegially and financially. And that's what really began the impetus to, be, to start our nonprofit collaborative, the Consciousness and Healing Initiative. So we really began just supporting the community of scientists. And then as we began to do that and share what we knew with the public, all of a sudden we had all of these practitioners coming to us saying, this is great. 
we knew there was science, but you know, we didn't know how to distill it down and we weren't up on the latest science. So it's really grown into this beautiful community where the healers are not only uptaking the science, but they're sharing their wisdom. So we're learning from each other. And then, you know, mm. we can have a lively conversation about art. Um, art. I feel like artists have a huge place in this community because they know what it's like to be in the healing space. You know, being creative is one of our biggest healers. And there is so much that artists know intuitively about healing through their creative process that I feel like they have a lot to share. So it's, you know, it's just, it's been a beautiful journey. It's ever evolving. Uh, we have some really uh, beautiful projects that we do, both in research but education. Right now we have this fabulous um, Science of Healing course, which brings together kind of our leading lights in healing. So, you know, names that are probably familiar to some of your, your folks, like Deepak Chopra and Bruce Lipton and Greg Braden and, you know, renowned healers like Donna Eden, Sue Mortar, you know, others, Cindy Dale. And, and we're all kind of coming together to share not just the evidence base, but also the practice. And so every week people get healing practices. They learn about the latest research. It, it very much follows my book. So it's a way of kind of keeping the, you know, the teachings very alive. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's, it's lovely. We have live Q and A's and we get to have, you know, discussions about what we're learning and do some practice together. So, um, yeah. So as, as you can probably tell, you know, it just, it excites me because I do feel like where we are and we can have conversations about what it's like to get this work out into the mainstream, it's still not very easy. This is, this is why we do this work because it's going to spread through each of us sharing with each other in conversations like this, right? With each other, mm -hmm. our healing experiences, what we know about the science, what we know about the practice. Uh, but it all comes down ultimately, as you know, to experience, which is why I love, you know, doing the teachings that I do, like the retreat that you came to in Amelia Island last year with me and Bruce. Mm -hmm. um, it's, uh, it's really amazing when we can all get into a room together and dive into not just the science, but the experience. Yeah, yeah, that was amazing, by the way. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious, because I think as people listen, that there's a lot happening, like you said, bringing this to the mainstream. What are what are some of the, or what's the progress as it relates to bringing this in the mainstream that you notice? Because I imagine probably like in the last five years, people, or 10 years, however long, do you feel that people are now starting to really listen and get really curious and, and really wanting to bring this into maybe universities and schools, this, this type of knowledge? There is. There is definitely motivation to do that. And I would say there's still very large gatekeepers that um, mm. are really struggling with this. So I'll tell you a quick story about my latest TED talk. You know, I was invited mm -hmm. to give a TEDx Berkeley talk earlier this year in April. And um, long story short, you know, they knew what I did. And I've done a TED Talk before. I, I did one in 2014, actually, that was called What is Healing? And I just kind of touched on the biofield. But in that talk, I talked a lot about the research behind placebo, mostly. And I talked about how we needed to bring the fields of indigenous medicine with modern science more together to have a full picture of healing. Well, in this talk, I decided there's so much great data going on with the energy healing biofield science area. You know, for those who haven't heard the term of biofield, and I'm pleased that so many people have now, that's progress right there. But for those who haven't heard that term, it's a Western term that we scientists use to describe fields of energy and information that connect us and heal us. And we can dive more into that later, Jonathan, if you like. But I gave this talk and I really summarized 
some of the best science that's being done, particularly in the energy healing field, but also just within the biofield, bioelectromagnetics. And it was really placing the importance of this work in terms of what it means for human healing connection. So the name of the talk was, We're Wired to Heal Each Other, The Science of Interconnection. And I'll give you the short version of all of this, and we can dive into more detail if you want. But ultimately what happened was, Ted Corporate released the talk without telling me, putting a flag on it, saying it was based in my personal research, which wasn't true. I was citing, I gave them actually a reference of over 30 peer-reviewed published references of data. Only two of those were actually my research. And, you know, and I also mentioned that there are over 425 clinical trials of energy healing practices and 125 are randomized control trials. So I shared that and I shared the data. I shared some really incredible data coming out of MD Anderson Cancer Center right now already a few published studies from this group showing that energy healing in a very controlled, studied in a very controlled way is, um, is, is showing that there's a possibility for someone who is adept in energy healing to be able to shrink tumors in mouse models of cancer and even slow mm -hmm. down tumor growth all the way down to cell signaling, what we call inflammatory cytokines, you know, so we're really getting deep into the physiology. Do we totally understand it? No, but it's happening. So I raised all this mm -hmm. in the TED Talk. And they flagged it, saying that it was, you know, wow. basically, you know, when they, when they flag something, what it means is they're saying, we, you know, want you to view this with caution. This is only based on the speaker's research. You know, we're not sure if it's true, basically, is what they're saying, which is mm -hmm. totally false. They also changed the title of the talk, which I didn't even know they could do. I was like, how can you change the title of my talk? I've never heard of such a thing. So I've been in dialogue with them about it because I'm, I'm, I'm very concerned. And mm -hmm. I will say that I, I, am, I remain concerned about Ted's approach. Most of us would view TED and TED Talks as like a very solid scientific platform, unbiased, here to give us the latest cutting edge. But as I dig deeper into this and I learn about so many of my colleagues who've had their talks flagged or banned, and I'm mm. seeing that they're flagging talks even on things like breathing, you know, it mm. concerns me. So I want people to know that that is happening. I'm not a conspiracy person. I'm not going to go here and there. You know, I suspect that part of the reason this is happening is because of the people that may be helping fund TED and, you know, what, mm. what they feel like maybe they're, they have to be beholden to certain funders. That's just a conjecture on my part. Maybe there's really just a closed-mindedness there. I don't know. But it's deeply disappointing because I got to tell you, and, and as you know, I really highlight the research in the book, mm -hmm. what we're seeing is incredible. And it's just the tip of the iceberg, but it's, it's showing us how powerful human consciousness is to connect and to heal. And we really can't afford to ignore this data because our current methods really aren't working. We have a massive mental health epidemic, not just in this country, but the world. You know, I believe it's every 40 seconds, someone is taking their own life. Hmm. You know, we have a massive chronic disease epidemic. We know about what happened with the opioid epidemic. People were struggling so much with chronic pain. You know, the answer that they were given was to take pills and to take these, you know, opioids, which honestly wasn't empirically supported. We could talk about that too. 60 Minutes did a whole story on this because 
And, and the Sackler family, you know, who were you know, basically involved in the company that was pushing these opioids for chronic pain, were sued by the government for, you know, tens of millions, I think, maybe more. Uh, I can't even remember the figure because this was, a, this was not right what happened there. And why? Because we have been taught that healing is outside of ourselves. We've been taught that we have to seek something outside of ourselves to heal ourselves. But as I've been diving into the research and the discussions with so many of our healing practitioners, they are all very clear about this. We are our best healers. And everything that they are doing is to bring us back to our deeper sense of connection with our own spirit, our spiritual core, our deeper inner self, whatever you want to call it to facilitate a process of healing that really starts from the inside out. And, and that's really, it's very real. It's not just flowery language. We're seeing this, whether we're looking at social relationships, we're looking at the mind-body connection, say, from example, through the vagus nerve, we're looking at immune system function, and we're looking at our own energy. We are very powerful as human beings. And I think it's time that people know, you know how powerful they are. I don't see why this is a threat. Yeah. Hmm. I love that. (laughs) And obviously you've been for many, many years distilling so many um, areas of research, so many spiritual teachings. Well, in other words, you've gone through what someone is going through when they're trying to figure out whether or not to believe it. Yeah. And, what I'd love if you can share is let's just say someone is very new to this and they're they're figuring out, Shamani, I just I just don't know what to believe. I don't know what's true. I can't figure out how to how to you know decide what to believe. How would you how might you guide or advise someone to really take in information and begin to distill different sources of information for themselves to really land at what's true for them? You know, I actually even talked about this at the end of my TEDx talk mm-hmm. because it's, it's really key. There's, in general, there's so much information being thrown at us. There's so much polarization. It's hard to discern what's fact from fiction, right? And, and the mind is already overactive in, you know, our culture. And so we get very confused. It's very common. I don't know anyone who really doesn't struggle with this. So the first thing is... Trust your instincts. The second is forget the hype, right? So this is, this is huge. When we begin to trust our intuition, we look at the data. Okay, so the first is we look at the data. We just sort of distill it down. That We don't have to be a PhD scientist to look at the data either. Now, as you know in my book, I have summarized from over, I think, 700 peer-reviewed published scientific studies yeah. on healing. And we're talking about understanding what consciousness is, understanding, you know, ancient perspectives on it, mind-body-spirit practices like yoga, meditation, tai chi, qigong. What do we really know about placebo? And what do we really know about energy healing? You know, and then as you know, in the last part of the book, I sort of just say, okay, if we take all that data together, what do we do? And we can talk about that, right? Mm -hmm. That's the last part of the book that's called the healing keys. So it's like when we take all this information in, now what? What do we do? But for those of us who are still kind of wanting to sit with the data a little bit and wanting to make decisions, let's not forget that, first of all, you, you have the ability to practice wise discernment. So I always remind people to take a breath, 
take in the information and see how it's resonating with you. Is it putting you in a state of fear? Because if so, it's old mm -hmm. school. Let it go. Okay. If you're, if you're, for example, and I'll, I'll say, you know, this happens a lot in the healing world, in the, in the holistic healing world, these marketing tactics that are sometimes used like, oh, they're bad EMFs. You know, there's like, you know, all this onslaught of electromagnetic frequencies. And if you just buy my little, you know, deflector here and put it on your neck, you'll put all the bad energy away. Okay. So let's just like take a moment <laughs> and breathe and think about that. Could it be that I could actually just be really grounded in my field and hold my own charge? So even if there are EMFs moving, that if I'm very grounded and in my energy, they don't necessarily need to affect my field. Mm -hmm. And I don't have to go buy some deflector in fear that I can't manage my own energy and be strong, right? So these are the things that I want to remind people of, you know, to just, if, if there's mm -hmm. anything putting you in a fear or a lack you're, you know, it's just bad marketing. And I will call it that bad marketing. It's old school marketing. Okay. Yeah. Um, if there's something that feels like an, ah, I want to try that. That feels supportive. You know, a lot of people ask me, how do I find a practitioner? And there are platforms that are being built by people to try to curate good practitioners, you know, rate them, make sure they're licensed, you know, make sure they've gone through processes because there are a lot of people who just hang a shingle on their door. It's like, they're still evolving themselves, but they want to go ahead and, and sell their wares before they're quite ripe. You know, I think we all know that's happening everywhere because <laughs> we're all striving to healing. I think that's why it happens. So ask questions, you know, like if you're, if you're wanting to connect with a healing practitioner of some sort, ask them questions. If you're dealing with a particular condition, have you ever worked with people with my condition before? What has been the outcome? What do you understand about it? How would you work? How many sessions would you, would you do? Would you provide me with a couple of references of people who've worked with you before? Like really take it seriously. Like mm -hmm. as if you're interviewing someone for a job because you're bringing them into your healing field, right? Don't be afraid to ask yeah. those questions and then just check in with yourself because if, even if they give you all that information, but your mind body is like, you're checking in with your heart, you're checking in with your gut. And it's like, I think I won't pass. Then just pass, move on. But, you know, if you get a, if they say, hey, I haven't worked with your condition before, but here's what I have worked with, the references are checking out and you're feeling it's a ding, 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 you know, then try it out. So, but the data is there and, you know, books like mine and others, I think for people who really want to look at the data and kind of get an evidence informed perspective, you know, utilizing resources like that, our science of healing course is another um, there are resources out there for people that are evidence-based, um, and so you can rest in, in that too. There are people like me, um, Bruce, and others that are really trying to summarize and share the data. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, and you did a beautiful job. That's what I really loved about your book specifically is that, like you said, so much information and distilling it down into one how many pages? 250 pages or 300 pages? Oh, yeah. And, you know, a third of it didn't get the cut. I want to tell people, actually, <laughs> if, you, if you want to get the book, if you're interested in biofield devices, the one chapter that was too long and sounds true publications, who I absolutely loved working with, cannot say good things. They're just mm -hmm. wonderful to work with. You know, like all book publishers, they're like, Shamini, the book is too long. And you've, got a, you've got a whole ebook basically here on biofield devices with 200 references just for that chapter. 
Mm. And so we decided I would just make that a free ebook for people. So mm. if people are interested in learning about biofield devices, you know, these are devices, again, that put in energy into the system. They're things like non-invasive brain stimulation, laser therapy, pulsed electromagnetic fields, even subtle energy devices. I cover all of the research in there and just sort of distill down the nuggets and give advice for people on how do you choose a device? Like, should you and what would you do? Um, if you go to healingourselvesbook.com, so that's the URL, healingourselvesbook.com, there is a way there that if you buy the book, and there are plenty of places that you can click on to buy them, you know, your favorite bookseller, click on claim my bonuses. And when you claim your bonuses and put in your email, you'll get an email back so that you can download that free ebook on biofield devices. And there are also some really nice um, interviews with Bruce and Greg and Deepak and Donna Eden, really just lovely lights of healing. If people aren't familiar with them, I highly recommend you check those out. And meditations that um, I have, which I know you've experienced, Jonathan, some of those in our, um, in our live gatherings. So, you know, there's, yeah, you're covered, you know, in those ways. Yes, yes, I love that. Yeah, and the, and singing also that was a big part of the retreat, which was really great. Yeah, you know I love singing, <laughs> and um, I really encourage everyone. And I know Bruce is really fond of saying this. Our dear friend Bruce Lipton, you know, this is all about coming. This time is really all about coming into our creatorship, and recognizing that we're all creative beings. For me, yeah. I've always loved singing, and I've noticed that society often. Um, it's just the way society runs sometimes we forget that we have a voice. We forget that we can use our voice to express. And, you know, as you know, I'm a singer. And I'm surprised at how many of my singing colleagues are afraid to speak publicly. And how many of my colleagues that are very well versed in public speaking are afraid to sing out. <laughs> so in our workshops, I really like for us to just explore that and break it down and Sound has a really strong connection with our energy and the breath. So sound and sound making is actually what we call a tantric practice. And here when we talk about tantra, we're not talking about the way it's often been depicted in the West as just, you know, utilizing the sexual force in the sexual manner um, to gain enlightenment. That's certainly one small part of tantra, but tantra in general is the working with energy through things like sound, breath, and movement. The mantra meditation is a, mantric, is a tantric practice. Um, you know, energy-based meditations are tantric practices. And inner sound making can be that. And so what are we talking about? We're talking about utilizing the power of your voice to connect your mind and body very powerfully and work with the energy within to begin to lighten your load Initially, that's what we experience is sort of a letting go of emotion. A lot of times when we do these workshops together, people feel a great catharsis because we all hold a lot. We all hold a lot of emotion and energy and emotion are very linked. So sometimes the first thing that we recognize when we're working with sound is we're releasing some emotions and that's, that's great. It's beautiful. It's part of the process. And then we dive even deeper into our well of being. And there's a joy as you know, if you've, as you've experienced in singing. Right. There's a mm -hmm. there's sort of an expression of the soul. There's an expression of emotion, but there's also an expression of the soul and a liberation of the inner child. All these all these things that sometimes we, in society we get clamped down on. You know, we run to Burning Man to express ourselves in those ways, but we don't have to just wait once a year. We can do this every day. 
in the car is where I usually love to do it too. <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah, me too. And my kids love it too, especially if they're not in the car. Um, <laughs> because if I'm alone in the car, you know, nobody has to hear me, <laughs> whether they want to or not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love that. So one of the things I just want to summarize, because a lot of what you mentioned, and I want to do, I want to get to some of the healing keys that you speak to in your book, and we'll, we'll probably close out with that, so you can give some very tactical and practical things. Beautiful. Uh, but one thing uh, that you mentioned, as it relates to people maybe feeling overwhelmed, they're wanting to distill all the data, and what I heard you say in that is to just see maybe where we're giving our power away to something outside of us, and and I can relate a lot to that because. I used to fall for a lot of that marketing, meaning I would be all stressed emotionally and physically. And it was this marketing of just take this pill yeah, and you'll feel better. And I tried that for a lot of years <laughs> and it didn't work. And a lot of what end up, it ended up working was a lot of the things that you speak to in your book is really coming back home to us and getting to know our bodies and working with breath and sitting with ourselves and releasing a lot of that emotion. And I realized after I'm like, wow, I actually don't really need many if any supplements if i'm just doing these things really well thank you for sharing that you know that very personal story that i think almost all of us probably can relate to right because mm -hmm. we've been brought up in a culture to again think that we're less than that you know we lack and that we need something that we don't have to be whole and yet the healing yeah. research shows us just the opposite healing is a return to wholeness so there is a path to that. And if you don't mind, and I hope I don't um, ruffle any feathers here, I'll say I'm see, I feel like uh, my concern at this point with the way the entheogens or psychedelics are being marketed is troubling, hmm. okay? Because we're still using, for lack of a better word, the wounded masculine tactics of that kind of marketing, of lack, of you need to microdose to get yourself together. You need to do that. You need to do that. You know, and I'm seeing my friends do it. I'm seeing, and I, you know, I have nothing against entheogens at all. They're a sacrament. They're beautiful medicine. They are medicine. There's no question, but the way they're being marketed to people is concerning to me. And, and even the way they're being researched mostly, and I hope this is going to change. And, you know, I'm involved in deep conversations with some of my fellow researchers about this. Um, Instead of, again, touting them as sort of, oh, this is happening chemically, you know, you're just basically treating it as another drug. This is happening. It's expecting your neurotransmitters this way. This is why you need the physical chemical drug. Okay, come on. Mm -hmm. Any of us who have taken these things know that you're literally opening up to a spiritual reality. And that is not really being discussed. And sure, entheogens are one way to open you up to your greater consciousness. But so is meditation. So is yoga. Mm -hmm. You know, so our other centering prayer, I mean, there's so many practices, so is sound making, so is, you know, sound healing. There's so many ways to get to this, you know, that you get to choose again and, and learn. And, and I cannot stress enough, just facilitate a practice for yourself. And it doesn't even have to be the same one every time. You know, you don't have to be a devotee of one tradition because the data is actually showing us that whether you do meditation, yoga, Tai Chi, Qigong, you're seeing very similar effects on the mind-body system. A mm. harmonizing of the autonomic nervous system, a re-regulation of the immune system. You're going to see those things with any practice. So if you feel like the only way is to microdose, I want to tell you that the data doesn't actually support that. It's just that there are a lot of people trying to make a lot of money off of these substances right now. And, you know, I just, I have to share that.
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I totally agree from my own personal experience, whether it's microdosing or any other type of supplement that I, I would say over the past five years, I've realized that I would give my power away to something rather than cultivate my own in, internal wholeness and feeling that, no, I can actually achieve those states. And to what you're saying, I started learning about all these different masters in the East who would actually cultivate all of these states on their own. And that's when my mind was blown because I thought, oh, I have it all backwards. <laughs> we can actually do all of these things ourselves, but we keep giving our power away, you know, to something outside of us. So we don't really create the ability to even cultivate that internal power, if you will. That's right. And 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 to like kind of hold ourselves in in the biggest healer, the core of healing, which is love, you know, and self-compassion yeah. and and recognize that like we don't have to feel guilt or shame about that. Oh, you know, all this time I've been, you know, it's it's not about that. Yes. It's more of an awakening. It's like a wow. Oh, I could do that. Oh, let me try this. Let me be curious. Maybe I'll fail. Maybe it won't work. That's okay. Let me try it anyway. Let me just, you know, let me just be curious. I don't even have to dare greatly. You know, I don't even like I really, you know, it's 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 not about even being daring and courageous. I mean, although I think there's a place for that and that's beautiful. And I do love Brene Brown's work. That is, you know, I think she's done a lot to sort of teach us to be vulnerable and, and courageous. Mm-hmm. But we can also just simply be profoundly curious, you know, profoundly curious. Yeah, yeah, I love that. So to to bring us all the way down to like the fundamentals and I'm going to ask you to speak like if someone were coming to you and maybe they haven't read your book they haven't uh, learned much but they come to you and they say Shamini I want you to tell me how do I heal myself because I have this condition or I'm experiencing this and I'm just curious how you would respond and walk them through the very fundamentals or basics you bet there's there's a pathway that I share in the book called the healing keys which is fundamentally about bringing ourselves back into our larger consciousness by uniting our mind with our bodies and our energy you know as you know the whole premise of my book is that our missing link to healing is having an understanding and connection with our vital energy system and so in the healing keys i take us through a journey of doing that really you know based on the chakras like the chakras are very much the framework for this allowing ourselves to feel our energy very deeply and understand that when we do that we're also feeling a broader connection within ourselves for sure but with each other and even with the earth so the number one thing that i would recommend to people and this goes for all of us it's very helpful for when we're feeling flustered when we're feeling kind of in space um upset tired it's grounding it's called grounding and there are many ways to practice it and there is evidence behind it as well But essentially all we're doing is coming into our bodies, feeling the energy and allowing ourselves to sink into our bodies so that we can even feel the connection with the earth. Now, as it turns out, and as you know, described in the book and in other places, there's actually science behind the human earth connection that's very, very valid Mm -hmm. and very, very strong. So by grounding and, you know, I have meditations and things like this to help us there's an audio book also where I think I have audio meditations as part of the book and, and grounding as part of that. We're simply taking a breath, bringing it into our full body, and then 
allowing that breath to travel through the body, down the legs, into the earth. And so it's really guided by our breath and our awareness. And what we'll notice is the more we bring our breath and our awareness together in the body, the more we begin to feel these subtle flows of energy. And then we can choose, we can just watch the subtle flows of energy. You know, that's a beautiful practice. It's very aligned with Vipassana tradition where you just notice what's going on in the body and there's nothing else to do but observe it. But if you want, you can also direct this energy with your mind. And so when we ground, we're actually allowing ourselves to deeply feel that connection with the earth, the, our energy allowing ourselves to literally drop energetically anything we don't need, let it flow down the legs into the earth, our biggest aura, our biggest composter of energy, you can say. And it's a two-way communication. We allow earth's energy to flow into us because we are literally connected energetically to the earth. So that's a number one practice, you know, grounding for health and going into the forest, being in nature, being barefoot on the ground are all beautiful ways to practice this. Lots of data just on forest bathing, Shinrin-yoku and its effects on the system. And so it's really being in silent reverence and connection with our earth and allowing ourselves to feel that bioenergetic connection, which is always there. The other healing keys have to do with flowing with emotions. Again, we can learn how to kind of up-level what we're already doing by working with the energy of emotions, and sound-making is a huge part of that. Opening to creativity. As we begin, as I mentioned earlier, when we begin to flow with emotions, we start noticing literally a flow. It's like water in our body. And we can move with that watery energy of our body, the flow in our body, to begin to ignite our creative process and work with this creative life force giving energy any way we want for our own healing. So we're literally unlocking that energetically, right? When we begin to do that, we are ready for the next healing key, which is about setting powerful intentions. And that's a deeper conversation, which as you know, I go into the book on that and how to create your own healing ritual. There's a lot to explore about that and its relationship with what we call placebo. And the next healing key, which is a very, very powerful one, evidence-based and practical, is opening to connection, you know, really getting into the heart, heart space, opening to the support around us, clearing and healing relationships that need to be cleared and healed. And also really opening ourselves up even to spiritual support for our journey, right? Whatever that means for us, but literally allowing ourselves to ask for that support energetically, spiritually, is a huge part of the healing process. From there, we cultivate deep insights. We learn to trust our intuition. And ultimately, the final healing key is really surrendering. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot we can explore into that. But we have desires, which makes us human. We all desire certain things for our life, for our health, for our families, our friends, the world. That's great. It's part of being human. But ultimately, the process of the healing keys leads us to surrender everything that we think we know and even everything that we think we want and the way that we want it because our minds are limited. We're conditioned beings. So if we're too hyper-focused on, I need this to happen in the next month, and if the secret is real and if manifestation is real, it's got to happen in this way, you know? (laughs) Again, there's all this stuff that we've been been told. Um, But really... When we, when we let it all go and we trust in the divine order, in the divine flow of things, 
we open ourselves up to possibilities we didn't even see. We're just open, you know, and, and that's really huge for the healing process for the journey. Yeah, love it. So there's, I think the, the ones you mentioned are pretty clear. And then I can imagine people's questions are like, well, Shamani, how long should I ground for? How often? Where? <laughs> and there's all that. So yeah, you're supported. Look, check out the book and the meditations. And I'm actually, you know, Jonathan, I don't know when we're going live with this or when you're going to be sharing it. But um, if people do want support, I am actually going to be teaching an online course of the healing keys with the shift network. And that's mm. going to be starting, I believe, in the beginning of December. So if people go to my website or, you know, uh, the, probably the best way is going to end up being my website, I guess. Um, I'll make sure that I put information okay. on there so that people can tap into that. It'll be an eight-week course um, to kind of guide you through the journey, you know, for yourself. And we'll get into these. Like, we'll actually do practice. It's going to be a lot of practice, mm -hmm. like some science, but a lot of practice. Um, mm -hmm. And it's a great community that comes together for these courses. So, And I also teach them often in person, which is also really, really fun. So they, But the short answer is, look, if you've only got 10 minutes a day, it's enough. Okay. You know, take a look at, at some of the practices that I suggest in the book and the audios. Mm -hmm. I have a few meditations that are out on insight timer. Maybe some of your folks know about that beautiful app. You know, it's got, I don't know, maybe a hundred thousand meditations on it at this point from so many different teachers, but I have a couple of meditations to support you on there that are totally free. Um, one is called the heart's guidance. It's about five or six minutes. And the other is called Embodied Surrender, which takes you through all the chakras. I think that's about 15 minutes. And, and they get pretty great feedback. And, you know, those are resources for you to just kind of be guided a little bit if you're looking for some nice meditations with audio and, and some, you know, guiding voice. Beautiful. Yeah, and this will definitely be out by before December. So they'll hear this uh, in time for that. And then you have yeah, a lot of in-person events, you know, obviously, it's a, right? It's a lovely community and, and just be ready to have fun. <laughs> Yeah, 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 for sure. So one other question that I, I think is asked pretty commonly, and you can probably relate to people asking as well, and in your own journey is how do you know when you are living in surrender and when you're not? How do you differentiate? How can you tell? It's a beautiful question. Um, I think there are gradations of it, right? It's just because everything is dynamic. Even our attachment to our ego or our connection with spirit is... I don't want to say in levels, but because it's dynamic, it's it's almost like imagine, and I, I talk more deeply about this in my teachings, but imagine that you're always connected, right? Because that's really the truth. You're always connected. It's just that we have these sort of clouds of, you know, we could say ignorance or conditioning that kind of cover that connection at time. And there literally can be any time that those clouds just sort of move away and we feel that stronger sense of surrender and connection with spirit. So first of all, let's rest in that beauty of knowing that it's always there, right? Mm -hmm. And the way that we know is, from my experience, you feel a profound peace. There is such a profound peace and a peace in literally resting in yourself so that you don't even need to feel like you have to do much. <laughs> you don't have to do anything, but you trust that you'll be guided to do what you need to do. 
I mean, this is the joke we all make because, you know, when you're really fully into that space, you have no motivation to do anything. (laughs) (laughs) Smiling, you're just in full bliss, you know. I guess that's why we're embodied, so we can actually do things. (laughs) But, you know, so there's that. So this is sort of a, we talk about co-creation. Not are we just creative Mm -hmm. beings, we're co-creative. So when you're feeling that surrender, you're actually in co-creation with the divine. So there is a lightness, there's a joy, there's a sense of peace, and there's a deep sense of trust. And I can't stress that enough. You know, when we start thinking about surrender, some of us tense up, oh God, I don't want to surrender. You know, I don't want to sacrifice. I don't want to give that up. Oh, maybe that's bad. I don't want to be brainwashed. You know, that's the mind freaking out, right? I don't want to give up control, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But when you're in surrender, you realize there is no control to give up. You're just in flow. Yeah. Yeah. And that blissful state that you're, that you're alluding to is I, I believe one you have to experience in some ways. And once you do experience it, you're just in joy and bliss for no reason. Meaning going back to what we said earlier, like nothing outside of you is causing that joy. It's just like an inner joy, just a being. And, and there's many different ways to describe it, right? Would you, would you say that that's very similar to what people experience in like a state of flow? A flow and, and, and just to kind of, discuss a little bit of what you just raised, Jonathan. We are always that. We are actually blissful at our nature. And so it's not so much like, oh, I've got to do it myself. Actually, if it's a beautiful day outside, like it is today, for example, I'm sitting out, the sun is shining, I'm in the southeast, the leaves are beginning to turn, you know, I step outside, I'm hearing the birds. All of these things are very pleasurable for me, right? So is it outside? Is it inside? It just is. So I'm going to allow myself to take in that goodness because Mm -hmm. what it's doing is literally allowing for those clouds of conditioning, chattering mind to sort of open up to the blissful nature inside of me. There's a connection there. So we can seek out pleasurable experiences. I mean, I think we all have sort of an inner compass to know whether these are pleasurable experiences that are going to cause pain later or whether they're pleasurable experiences that nurture our soul and spirit. We want to seek those out. That's a good thing. You know, that, that's actually allowing us to come more deeply into our soul nature, which is ultimate bliss. And, and when you are in that state of bliss, don't be surprised if people are like, are you okay? <laughs> you know? are you, I, I will tell you the one time that um, my husband and I, about four years ago, were called to move from San Diego, where we were for um, many, many years, um, almost mm. two decades for me and even longer for him. We were called to move to South Carolina, which is actually where I was born and raised, completely serendipitously, had nothing to do with me or my family, even though they live here. My husband got an unsolicited job offer, and it was, it was right before COVID. We didn't even know that COVID was going to happen. And I could not explain it because it was the surrender moment for me where I sat on the beach and cried at first because I realized this was a move we had to make. And then I felt spirit with me the whole time. And all of a sudden, I felt, again, this enormous peace and trust and all my friends and family members were like, are you nuts? <laughs> you're going to leave San Diego. You've got such a great life set up there, your faculty position, your bands, all this stuff. And I said, I know it makes no sense, you know, from the outside, but I'm telling you from the inner plane, we're getting a very clear message that this is a move we have to make. And I, I just want to, the reason I want to share that with people is because if you've ever been in a place of transition or you're going to be in a place of transition, And transition is sometimes difficult, right? Often it is. Even when it's good, it's difficult. 
call on your spiritual support, whatever that looks like for you, go into your heart and ask for that support and that connection to help you move through that process with ease. And it's not a bypass. You will feel it. It's connection. You're still very much experiencing the trials and tribulations of the transition, you know, the longing, missing, you know, for me, I, I, I went through all of that. You know, I, I did, but it was easier because I surrendered. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it reminds me of what you, one of the healing keys of flowing with the emotion, because if there's grief or mourning arising to be able to be with that versus trying to just force the move and, and not really experience the emotion that's present during that moment, which I imagine was part of it. Yeah. Yeah. Literally, you have to open to the emotion, let yourself cry, grieve. You know, many of us have grieved the loss of loved ones during COVID or just life is, is like that, right? Everything mm. is impermanent. So at some point, we're all going to mourn some loss and surrendering into the emotion of it and getting the support that you need so that you are, you know, you do have a safe space to flow with it and, and not feel like you're drowning, right? Yeah. Um, that is absolutely po possible and powerful. And uh, don't uh, discount the power of, of the spiritual realm to support you in that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Love that. Well, we're coming up on time soon, and my question to you is what else you want to share with listeners about what's coming up or anything you want to leave them with, with your wisdom or anything you want them to know? Just know that you are far more powerful to heal yourself and others than you may have ever imagined. The data supports you in that. And, you know, as you're going through the journey, I invite you to join our community you know, we, we have free webinars with our nonprofit every first Friday of the month. They're totally free. And we have, you know, it's just been amazing to dive in with so many beautiful leaders of healing, both practitioners and scientists and thought leaders. If you go to webinarsonhealing.com, webinarsonhealing.com will take you to the place where you'll learn about all of the things that we, um, we have been exploring and, and sharing and do feel free to sign up for those. Um, as I mentioned, the Science of Healing course is a beautiful way to deep dive with community, um, going as far as you want to go and exploring new fun healing practices every week. Um, if you go to scienceofhealingcourse.com, scienceofhealingcourse.com, you will go there. And then the best way to get to my website, because I know my name is not common and not always easy to spell. I recommend you go to healingourselvesbook.com. That'll take you to my book page where you'll learn more about the book and get the bonuses. But it also takes you to my website where you can learn about the workshops and different offerings and, you know, fun interviews, uh, things like that. Lots of lots of goodies over there. So mm -hmm. Love it. Love it. And she, the website, is, is it just, yeah. or you tell me, what's the uh, website? Well, it's, it's, well, if you go to webinarsonhealing.com, it will take you to the Chi website. But um, okay. also you can access it directly to the homepage at www.chi.is. So chi.is is the nonprofit yes. website. Got it. Okay. Beautiful. Yes. And I'll include all of this in the, in the notes for the episode as well. Super. Yeah. Well, I feel like we can go for hours and hours. <laughs> no, it's it's uh, beautiful but... to have the conversation with you, Jonathan. It's beautiful what you're doing with these dialogues, empowering people mm -hmm. to live their best lives. Um, and an honor to be with you. 
Yes, likewise. Thank you so much. And yeah, I really appreciate all the work that you're doing. And it feels like it's just the beginning in a lot of ways <laughs> because of everything that's coming. So yes, deeply grateful. And yeah, I just want to acknowledge you because I know it, it takes a lot of effort and a lot of interesting conversations uh, to bring this into the quote unquote mainstream, if you will. Yeah. Well, thank you. So, and thanks thank you. for everybody listening. <laughs>